Good to see you tonight. Thank you all for putting the effort forth again and coming on Wednesday night early like this. And uh, I do appreciate you that's been here each week. Uh, okay, my show and tell, it's not my garbage, okay? And um, Joel, I don't know. I need you to look, okay? So I, I really take a lot of pride in mine. I don't know if Joel did or not, but I still have mine and can wear it. <clears throat> we were really proud of these things. And um, Joel, do you still have yours? Do you wear it? Okay. Well, now I got it off the rack today. Too large. <laughs> yeah. I was going to put it on and show you, but I better not. I'll rip it. But I, I told uh, Don, she's the only other, the girl, you know, the boys at high school, they always was real proud. They got to have the girlfriends wearing their jackets. Well, I never got to do that except for my wife. She still wears it to work. <laughs> so, all right, that's my little show and tell for you tonight. So I'll pick it up and get you some better stuff here in the next few weeks. Hopefully you've got your hand out tonight. And, um, and again, I do appreciate you putting forth such an effort to, to be here each week and, um, and learn of the study that we've talked about. This study in particular is the study of the Bible. <clears throat> we study the Bible, but this is a study of the Bible. We have looked at... So far, those four first lessons, and if you've got your hand out, I want you to, to follow along with me tonight because up to now, we have talked about the reality of the Bible. In other words, what is the Bible? I don't know, uh, I don't know most of you in here other than Joel and my wife and uh, my kids that will be in here in a little bit, but I want to tell you something. Most of us that have been raised in church all of our lives, we kind of take it for granted that everybody else has been kind of got the same background as us. Because we are from the Bible Belt. And we always think that everybody has the same type of culture, and it's not always true. But we've looked at the reality of the Bible. What is the Bible? We looked at that second lesson was that really simple lesson of the receiving of the Bible. Probably the most difficult lesson that we've had so far. Because there's a lot in there of the receiving of the Bible. We talked about a lot of things of how we've got what the Bible is that we read from today, depending on your translation but how we writ the original manuscripts and how we got it, how it is that those 66 books are in what we call the Bible, which is the canon and all of those things that went on for the receiving of the Bible. That third lesson we've talked about is the reliability of the Bible. <clears throat> now, I spend time trying to go back over this because I want to show you where we've come from to where we are tonight. The reliability of the Bible, very important that you know that this is a reliable book that we're reading from. It's not just a book like any other book. It's not a history book like when we were in school, but it is a book that is reliable, so the reliability of the Bible. Then the last lesson we talked about last week was the relevance of the Bible. Uh, I know that you have a podcast. If you have not kept up with all of them, share them with your friend. I, I, I do this and really hope and pray that people can use it, take it with you, share it with other people, and I know you've got some extra handouts in the back. So tonight, that brings us to tonight, and this fifth lesson is where we get to where I call it's really practical. It's where we're going to put this into practice. So if you've, bore, you've bared with me for the first four lessons, this fifth lesson is going to talk about what we call the recipe for studying the Bible. In other words, how do we study the Bible? Um, if I were to ask you tonight, um, and if you were to be honest, and I would try to be honest with you as well, I'll be real transparent and honest with you, that 
there's two things that I find as a Christian very difficult sometimes to do. Number one is to pray, and secondly, it is to read the Bible. If I was to ask you, why do you have a hard time reading the Bible? Um, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but if I were to ask you that, somebody blurted out to me, why do you find it hard to study the Bible? Somebody? Time? Say that again. Distractions. Yeah. And sometimes it's just hard to understand, isn't it? Well, I'm going to try to cover some of that tonight and in the next lesson when we get back together on the recipe for studying the Bible, and I've got it entitled as part one. If you will turn with me to, this, to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, <clears throat> that very familiar uh, verse of Scripture, that'll be the text for this lesson tonight. When we talk about the recipe of studying the Bible, there's that key word, and on your, uh, on your handout, let me look at the, the handout, I think you've got it on there that says, it talks about the study yeah, study of the Bible. That key word is study, to study. So when we look in 2 Timothy, the 2nd chapter and the 15th verse, it says this, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, <clears throat> expository preaching is, if I wanted to break down that, that type of, uh, not just passage, but that scripture right there, that word study. What does study mean? And in your introduction, you're going to see that introduction there, the kind of what the meaning of study is. There is a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Uh, you've made an effort to be here. For whatever reason, you've made an effort to be here, hopefully to maybe understand and how to study the Bible better, not just read the Bible. Study means this. It's the act of making an effort to learn by reading, practicing, or what we call memorization. Now, <clears throat> I, uh, I was a teenager. Uh, Joel would remember this probably, I think, but I, was ch I challenged myself to try to memorize some scripture. I, had, I really had struggled. I've told you a little bit about how I struggled with reading. I, I really was not a very good reader. I didn't apply myself, and I did not read well, and so I, I wanted to memorize scriptures. And so what I did was I was I was um, I just graduated high school and I went and took my first full time job, and um, I was doing a Bible study with a, uh, a pastor friend of mine, and so I started taking little pieces of paper, little slivers of paper, and was writing verses down. And I started with some really basic ones, and I'd stick them in my pocket. And while I was at work, I would take those out and begin to look at them. But memorization is a key thing if you're memorizing Scripture because we know that there may come a time in our life that our mind, our mind may slip a little bit. But the study is the act of making that effort by learning, by reading, by practicing, and by memorization. So there is a key there. When I look at 2 Timothy, the, the second chapter there, in verse 15, when it says to study, to show thyself approved, I always like this in the King James Version. I love how it is added there, unto God. Because sometimes we study to show ourselves approved because I want to look smart to people. Well, i got to be honest with you. I've never looked smart to anybody. I'm not fooling anybody. But when you and I, we begin to study God's word, we're doing it unto God. It's like I love you. And I love your love letter that you've wrote to me, and I want to know more about you. So it's unto God that we study. 
And I love what it says, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You know, I don't have to be ashamed of it. But the key here is the, this, in this version, it says, rightly dividing the word of truth. <clears throat> I want to pause for just a moment, and I want to read something to you. When you see that word, rightly, there is a Greek word that I am an expert at, uh, not Greek, but I'm an expert at messing up how to pronounce them. But that word there for rightly is orthotomio. And here's, here's a better definition of what he's talking about for when you and I, uh, and my goal is this, that I just want to know the truth and I want to be able to communicate it and convey it correctly. So when it talks about that verse of scripture, the reason we study God's word, it's unto him, but that we would rightly divide it. So that word rightly in the Greek means this, it's a, it means to set it straight, to handle it right. It means not only to give the true meaning, but also that the true application to the various times and classes of people. Now, uh, I, I, when I think of this, truth, it, it must be divided dispensationally, prophetically, historically, and with regard for classes and subject. The chief fundamental principle of inter interpretation is to gather the scriptures themselves for the precise meaning the writers intended to convey. When I get ready to close here in a few minutes, I'm going to share something with you that I think is really important when we begin to study God's word is, is this, that sometimes we, we make this statement, that, well, that's what it says. But we've got to understand it's what it says and what it means and how that you and I are to apply it. So there's a big difference in that. The Bible says that, uh, uh, that uh, what, what is the verse of Scripture? I just went blank on the verse of Scripture. That's how good I study. That, uh, that there is no God, saith who? who? Who says that? If I take that out of context, and it's like the Bible is saying us, there is no God. But when you and I begin to look and to study God's word, we need to understand not only what it says, but what it means and how we would apply it. So here's what I would tell you. The first thing is this. When you and I begin to look and, and the recipe for studying the Bible, the first thing I would tell you on your notes is this. Ask God to prepare our heart to study. Ask God to prepare our heart to study because here's what happens with us. Those excuses for not studying as well as we should, many of you just made some uh, what we would call them excuses, but they're actual things that happen in our life. Distractions, time, we don't understand it. But here's what you do. You, you begin to ask God to prepare my heart. Prepare my heart. I'm going to study your word. And God, I'm asking you right now, get my heart ready. Because I can tell you this, if you're in a bad mood, you haphazardly go into trying to study God's word, then here's what's going to happen. You're not going to receive what he's got for you. I love what he says in Psalm 119. The first week we were, uh, when we opened up the first week, we, we spent some time in Psalm 119, which tells a whole lot about all of those verses, longest chapter in the Bible, and it begins to tell us about God's word. So when it talks about in Psalm 119 there in verse 36, he says this, he says, Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. It's beginning to say this, prepare my heart. My heart's got to be here ready to receive what you're, you're going to give me. You don't haphazardly read this book. You don't haphazardly study God's word. We have to ask God to prepare our hearts for what he's going to give us, that he would speak to us. 
So the other thing is this there in Psalm 119 also in verse number 18. He says this, open thou mine eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of thy law. Again, part of that preparing my heart to prepare us. Ask God to prepare our heart to study. He also says there in Psalm uh, in the 86th chapter, Psalm 86 and verse 11, he says, teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. All part of preparing our heart to receive what God has for us when we study his word. The other verse of scripture there in Psalm, also in Psalm 90th chapter there in the 14th verse, he says, Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. So first of all, we got to ask God, prepare our heart as we study. You got to do that. If you just haphazardly go into God's word, you just flippantly open it up, and your heart's not right, if your heart's not right, you're not going to receive. The second thing I would tell you about the recipe for studying God's word is this, not only to ask God to prepare a heart to study, but always try to pray before studying. It's very important. I said those two things, aspects of our Christian walk that are the most difficult is our prayer life as well as our studying. When you and I begin to try to pray or to study, Every distraction in the world is going to come about. You're never going to have the time, and, and you're, you're going to have a hard time understanding. You won't have the words to say when you begin to pray. So when I say that we, you and I should begin to do this, we always try to pray before you study. Now, again, I'm not talking about, uh, I'm talking about studying, really getting in there, reading it, practicing, memorizing Scripture. It takes you to a totally different level. It will mean so much more when your pastor is up here preaching a message and you say, hey, man, I, just, I read that this week. Or you heard something in a song that is scripturally based, and it's going to mean so much more to you. I've never had the honor to go to the, uh, or the honor or the privilege to go to the Holy Land. And um, we've helped some people get to go. And everyone that, we've ever, that I've ever talked to that's been, and including your pastor, is if you go to the Holy Land you can spend 10 days or 14 days there, and it's like four years of seminary. It really brings the Bible to life. Well, I can tell you this much. If you want to begin to study God's word, always try to pray before you're studying. Always pray. Ask God. Just like he said just a minute ago when it said, incline my heart, open mine eyes, satisfy, unite my heart. All of those things is part of that prayer before we begin to study. So when I look in Psalm 119 again, when we look back again there at that chapter in Psalm 119, look what it says in verse number 12. He says this. He says, Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. That's a prayer. That's a prayer that you and I should pray before we begin to study. God, that you would do this, that you'll bless. Blessed are you, that adoration to him, but also telling him, teach me. Teach me, speak to me, teach me your statutes, teach me. I don't want to live this life and be fake about my walk with you. I really want to know, so teach me. That's a prayer. He also says there in Psalm, Psalm 119 in verse number 73, he says this. He says, thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. Again, that's a prayer. That is a prayer that you and I could, you could read it verbatim or say it from your heart, maybe in different words, but always try to pray before studying. 
I love the verse of scripture that I put on your notes there in Luke, the 24th chapter. Luke 24 and verse number uh, 45. It says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Reading is one thing. When I begin to read something, um, as a man, we don't read instruction manuals well, do we? No. No, we, we just skip right to trying to do something, and we put something together, and it's going to fall apart for the most part. But I want to understand, it says, then he opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. So when I said it's time, it's distractions, or it might be that lack of understanding is why it's so difficult to study the Bible, well, the Bible tells us if we pray these prayers that he would give us the understanding of his scriptures and to understand those com- the, ma- the commandments he's given us, telling us how to live our lives. There's a couple of things that I put out there that I want you to fill in for me on, on point number two. Always try to pray before studying. And here's a couple of things that I would tell you to ask God for. First of all, ask him for what we call deliverance. Deliverance. You say, I don't need any deliverance. Well, I want to tell you something. Week in and week out, in all of the churches across our great country, in this city, in this community, there's people that come in to these services, and, and I know that you just meet once or twice, maybe three times a week, and you're in a service. And those people are there needing to be delivered from something. They may be in an addiction. It may be a a disease of some types. They need deliverance. It may be a marriage that needs to be restored. But there's deliverance that needs to be there. And when you begin to ask God and you pray before you're studying, ask him for some deliverance. Talk to him about things that's going on in your life that you can understand better as you're, you're reading his scripture. So ask for that deliverance. Ask God for deliverance. The other thing is this. Ask God for direction. So many of us are this. We're so haphazard about going everywhere. Do you remember a few years ago, how many of us, how many of you before GPS, your phones nowadays, we have uh, Google Maps, we have Waze, we have all of these things, and pretty much we would drive into the ocean if that thing told us to, wouldn't it? And some of you have, you know what I'm talking about, we've taken routes that we probably knew a better way, but because that thing was giving us direction. Well, and our life is like that. We need some direction. I, um, I have a simple prayer that I pray, and it's, it's, it's pretty much verbatim, but I always get, ask God for, for my particular ones, my wife, my children, grandchildren, my daughter-in-laws, is that he would do this, that he would watch over us and protect us and lead God and direct us. And the thing about that direction is this, that he puts us where we're supposed to be. I always follow it up by saying this, God, put us where we're supposed to be, doing what you want us to do, and being alive as we do it. And, um, and I've tried to live by that. Not always done it, but I, I've tried to live by that. But we need to ask God for some direction. Now, I don't know in this group that's in here tonight, or somebody that might listen to this later, you may be not struggling with direction in your life, but I can tell you again this, just like those, this, these seats are full when you come in here on these services, and week in and week out our churches are full of people that are needing that deliverance, but they're also needing some direction. They don't know what to do about a job. They don't know what to do about a church home. 
They don't know about their service or what they need to be doing. They don't know what to do about dating or marriage. So they need some direction. All part of doing all of that as we begin to get ready to study God's word. So, again, ask God to prepare your your heart to study. And then always try to pray before you study. The third thing is this. The recipe for studying God's word is this. We talked about this just a moment ago. You said time. Always make a period of time to study. Make a period of time to study. Easier said than done, right? Um, I won't bore you with the statistics, but I did a, a, a message at a church here a few weeks ago, and it's entitled Time. And I put the statistics up there, how many seconds are in a, uh, an hour, how many minutes are in a day, how many days are in a year, and all of this. And we begin to think about time. Well, <clears throat> when you think about time, you've got to make, make a period of time to study. Can I be real honest with you? If you don't make a period of time to really get to studying God's Word, you're never going to do it. I'm just going to be real honest with you. You can talk it every New Year. Say, man, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. It's going to be the year I'm going to do it. Not unless you make the period of time to do it. Now, it's easier said than done, and I'm going to give you a couple of examples in the Bible. There in Exodus, the 34th chapter and the, and the second verse. I love this example when, it, when Moses was going up with the second set of tables of the law. He says, and be ready in the morning and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai. He, he talks about a specific a, a period of time to study or to get alone with God. Um, do you have that? Because most of us are like this. I'm going to read my Bible. Maybe if my pastor challenges me with something that's coming up in a sermon series, I'm going to start studying about it, or I'm going to read about it. Um, if I've got something I have to teach, or somebody, God forbid, a, teach, uh, a pastor comes up to you and says, uh, you, you've got to teach a, a series or do something on a Wednesday night or, or Sunday or teach a Sunday school class, God forbid him to do that. But if he puts you on the spot, I guarantee you, you'll begin to make a period of time to study something specific. The other verse of scripture I think is, I love is over in Mark, the first chapter there in the 24th verse. But Mark, Mark is saying this. He says, and in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out. There's something about, I don't know what your time of day is. I'm not a, I'm not a morning person per se. But I'll be honest, 4.30 in the morning, I don't know what it is. It's my clock. But I, I am almost always awake around 4.30. Now, I try to go back to sleep sometimes, but if you're not a morning person, make a period of time. It may not be that early morning for you, but if you can make a period of time, here's the thing I want you to fill in right below that. On point number three, make a period of time to study. Here's why. We never have time. We have to make time. You're never going to have time. If I was to ask you this, if I was to challenge you and ask you and say, well, let me ask you, if you was to log, how many minutes a day you spend on your phone? We'd be ashamed, wouldn't we? On social media or whatever it is that we're, we're on it, how much time do you do it? Now, do you have time or do you make time for that? What about a television program that you love? Um, there's an old show, you may have never heard of it before, but I love to watch a little show called The Andy Griffith Show. Love that show. 
It's my favorite. It is my favorite. But if I'm, I make time to try to watch it. I have to study. My wife tells me, she says, you've seen it before. I said, yeah, but I'm studying it. But here's the thing. Anything that you love, anything that you are interested in, you won't have time. You will make time. You begin to make time for those things. People don't realize, you know, we, you, you think about it, we got 24 hours in a day, right? And for the most time, uh, most part, doctors like for us to say that we get eight hours of sleep. Anybody in here get eight hours of sleep? Anybody? Nobody. How many of you get, how many of you get uh, six hours of sleep? You get six hours? I hate you folks too. Yeah. Most of us are getting four to five, maybe six hours of sleep. And so what happens is we, if we did get eight hours of sleep, you know that's a third of our life sleeping. So if we take that and most of us, how many of us eat three meals a day? Two, day, two to three meals a day. Well, usually that comprises of about another couple of hours. So we're at 10 hours gone on eating and sleeping. Driving to work and, and back and forth to different things and commuting, you're probably looking at another hour to two hours. So half of our day comprised is, is really of sleeping, eating, commuting. Now, the, if most of us work an eight-hour job, well, you really don't work eight hours because they give you a lunch break, so you're really consistent of around probably nine hours. It don't leave a lot of time left. So what I want to show you is this, that you've got to make a period of time to study. Again, you're not going to have time. If you really love God's Word or want to get into God's Word, you're going to have to make time. It doesn't sound good. It's not pleasant to hear. But I know for a fact it's, it's the, probably the most challenging thing that I do. I've got a thing that I'll share with you all that helped me a lot, especially in, in commuting, <clears throat> a thing that I use that has helped me tremendously. Uh, you can read through the Bible. You're actually the audio Bible, and uh, it's very, very helpful. I love it. Uh, but you've got to make a period of time to study. The fourth thing that I would tell you is this. Find a place to study. Here's what happens is it's not convenient. Um, most of us, how many of you have ever maybe tried to read the Bible and you've got a TV going and you're in the living room or you've got a radio or all kind of noise and distractions going? When the Bible talks about going into a closet, yes, it can be a literal closet, but it is talking talk about find a place somewhere in your home. Uh, it may sound gross, but a lot of us, it's the bathroom. But finding a place, not all of us has a, a really nice homes with a study and, and all those elaborate type things and conveniences, but finding a place to study. It may mean that you've got to get in your car, go somewhere, maybe park for 20, 30 minutes, but find a place, find a place to study. Again, the examples we read just a few moments ago there in Exodus, the 30th chapter, 34th chapter in that second verse, we said it was to be early in the morning and to come up to Mount Sinai and prepare thyself there. There. It was a specific place. If I was to ask you, just like in your prayer life, you probably have a place in your home that you can go to. 
It may be that place that you call your closet. But just like with making sure that you have make a period of time to study, also find a place to study. Try to find a place. If you have that place and that's your place that you study, it's going to mean a lot more to you. And you're going to be a lot more persistent in doing it. Just like what Moses said there, but also in that chapter that we, that verse that we read just a moment ago in Mark, the first chapter, when he's talking about early in the morning, he also said, he said this when he talked about going up early in the morning. He says, rising up a great while before the day, and he went out and departed into a solitary place. A solitary place is this: it's a place I'm not I'm not being distracted. It's a place maybe that's quiet, peace and quiet that you can get. It may just be for a few minutes, but you need that place. Find a place that you can begin to study God's Word. Now, we're not all going to be Bible scholars. And I will share this in a couple of lessons down the road, but it's not Bible scholars that God's looking for. It's Bible students that we begin to study and, and learn His Word. So when we begin to do that and we, and we have that place that we go to, um, then we see that he's talking about that we go to that place that's solitary. Now, I didn't put that one on your handout, but I want you to mark that again, Mark one thirty-five in that verse. But there's that verse of Scripture over there in Luke, the fifth chapter. And there in Luke, the fifth chapter, talking about a place to study, he says in the fifth chapter in the 16th verse, he says, and he was talking about Jesus, he says, and he, he withdrew himself into the wilderness and he prayed. In other words, just like getting alone with God, prayer and study kind of goes hand in hand, doesn't it? But it said that he, he withdrew himself. He got away from everybody else, just like it being a solitary place. It needs to be that place that you're not going to be distracted and have other stuff going on. No TV in the background. Um, I have friends of mine tells me I can read and study just as good with the TV in the background. In fact, it helps me. I'm like, you're an idiot. There's no way. I, I mean, I'm so ADD and so OCD. I just get in a hurry to organize stuff, but I, I can't. I'm chasing 14 rabbits. So I have to have that quiet place. He says there also in Luke, the 11th chapter, and in the first verse, again, talking about finding you a place. In Mark, uh, Luke, the 11th chapter, in the first verse, he says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, a certain place. So find a place to study. The recipe for studying the Bible, all of those things up to this point are all practical things that you and I need to do. I'm going to ask God to prepare my heart before we study. I'm going to begin to always try to pray before I study. I'm going to also make a period of time to study. And it doesn't have to be, you're not going to do it every day. Somebody says it's every day. If you're a pastor, yeah, you may do it. But if you're working and and you've got things going on in your life, you're going to miss some time probably. But try your best to make that period of time. Then find that place to study. The fifth thing I would tell you about this, and these are practical things. And, um, these are not just my opinions, but I think I support them, is this. Use a plan to study. I have a lot of people that I would talk to about studying the Bible, and they say, I don't need no plan. I don't need no plan. I'm going to open it up. God's going to speak to me. Well, I, 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 they're so much more spiritual than me. But I'm going to tell you something. You want to be serious and you want to learn to study God's Word, 
A recipe for studying God's word is this. Do this. Use a plan to study. The Bible says plain and simply that this, he loves things done in decency and in order. Does not mean to be robotic about it. It does not mean that you're just, uh, you're, it's all canned and all those type of things. That's not what it's talking about. But I think he gives us wise men and other men and women that has helped us tremendously with plans to study the Bible. And here's what I would give you. Under those things that I've given you there, here's what I would tell you. And these are, these are things that's helped me and I'm just conveying to you. It may not, may not mean a lot to you, but here's what I would tell you. Is always maybe start with just a verse. You say, I want to study the Bible. Pick a verse of scripture. And here's one of the things that the plans that I tell people. If you're a young Christian or, or somebody that has never really studied the Bible, there is generally 30 or 31 days in a month, okay? Proverbs has 31 chapters. I said start with a verse, okay? But if you want to go expand on that more, whatever the day of the month, today is March the 8th. I meant to mention this to you last week. It was March the 1st, and it would be a great time to start your uh, Bible study plan. But today is March the 8th, so what you do is you read Proverbs chapter 8. Start maybe with just a verse or maybe a chapter. Challenge yourself to do that. Here's what will happen. If you've ever done what I've done, this, I, uh, I used to, any of you ever used the Franklin uh, Quest, the Franklin Planners? Great, great planners, weren't they? And I, I used it for years. Well, here's what I found myself doing. There would be tasks that I would do that I forgot to write down. And after I had completed that task, I would go, if you've done this, tell me. And you'd write down the task just so you could check it off. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. Well, it's the same way with your reading. If you've got a plan that you're using and you begin to start with a, a verse or a chapter, then you're more entitled or more, more intrigued. The next day, you're, you know what you're going to do? I need to get that next, tomorrow I'm going to read chapter 9 of Proverbs or whatever that is coming up in this plan. So that's a, that's a, use a plan to study. Maybe start with just a verse. Here's the other thing. Have a strategy possibly with a devotional. Now, why would I say that? I told you the story, and it's a true story, of how I, I took Bibles and, and I gave them out to several men. And I gave them Spanish Bibles not knowing that I was giving out Spanish-written Bibles. And why would I say have a strategy possibly with a devotional? It's because you can play the spiritual card with me all you want. But the Bible is sometimes difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to understand. I'm a big bluegrass music fan, and it's full with sex, murder, deceit. And I said, it's just like the Bible. You say it's a boring book. It's not boring at all. You, anything that you can think of, it's in the Bible. So why would I want to use a devotional, some type of devotional as my strategy? Have a strategy to possibly use a devotional is this. It kind of helps us because I believe that with all my heart, God has allowed mankind to have men that are, that are spiritually discerned that they can help us in giving us guidance. The Bible says this, there is safety in the multitude of godly counsel. I use devotionals. Uh, my devotionals are real. Uh, most of mine are, are really old. They came from my father-in-law. 
And um, there, there's, there are authors that I, I have used. That if I was to tell you the names of them, most of you wouldn't know. Uh, some of you, I'll, I'll show hands here. How many of you ever heard of Oliver B. Green, M.R. DeHaan, Barkley? Those are, those, are my, those, are, those are my guys. And later on, J. Vernon McGee and some others that I, I love. And today, David Jeremiah, Adrian Rogers, and all those people. But those are good, good tools for a plan to study, okay? The other thing is this. Keep it simple and keep it short. Now, why would I say that? Because you can start out a ball of fire to study God's Word. I'm not an expert by any means on studying the Bible. And I, I, am, a, I am a guy that if, if I was to ever have the, the opportunity and be blessed to have anything uh, written that, or published that was in a booklet or something like this, and you all did a fantastic job putting these together. But I've always told them, I, here's what I would want on, on them. They would be called simple reads. Because I think you have to keep it really simple nowadays. I, um, I think that when you begin to do it, keeping it simple, but I think if you keep it short, you're more enticed to stick with it. Because if it becomes laborsome to you, and here's what happens when you begin to, to read the Bible and study the Bible. Tell me if, you, if I'm wrong or if I'm right on this. You've got a plan. You're going to study the Bible, maybe read through the Bible, and you've got a plan, you fall behind a few days or weeks. What happens? You get discouraged, and you just say, I'll do it next year, right? Now, you, don't, you can look holier than now at me right now. I mean, none of you have never done that, right? Well, I have. So that's why I say keep it simple and keep it short. Now, as you grow and you begin to study more and more, you're going to spend more time doing it. And it, because what happens is you sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a lifestyle. You sow a lifestyle, you reap a destiny. What does that mean? Well, it becomes a part of your lifestyle so much, but you have to start somewhere. And I would tell you, if you're just now starting and wanting to study God's Word, so when your pastor's up here speaking to you and you say, oh, man, that is so alive to me now because I just read that or I know that story he's talking about and I know that application, that's when keeping it simple and keeping it short when you started is going to help you. The other thing about using a plan to study is this. Read also what I call systematically. Systematically. I... I uh, I, uh, and I admire, I, uh, I have respect for a lot of uh, preachers that are able to just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they just flip it open and read, uh, but I can't do that. And I know your pastor doesn't do that. What I would say is this, when you're studying God's word, read it systematically. That's part of having that plan, but, you know, if you're going to read through the book of um, uh, of Exodus, and then you're going to read part of it, and you're skipping around, you're probably not going to get as much out of it. But have some kind of a systematic system that you're using. Now, I always hesitate when I tell people that because here's what happens. They say, well, you're, it almost sounds like you're just saying it's all robotic and, and it's, it's man-made, and that's not it at all. If you'll remember when I said, first of all, I asked God to prepare our heart to study. 
If God, the Holy Spirit, is not part of my Bible study plan, then I'm wasting my time to to ask God to to speak to me and speak through those words and those pages that they would jump out to you. So here's what I'd give you kind of in our close. There is a a method that I have have heard about and have used at times, and I'm going to give you a couple of different ones over the next couple of lessons. But tonight I'm going to close with this one here. It's called the SOAP method. Any of you ever heard of the SOAP method? You've heard of it? Okay. Uh, Do you use it? Have you ever used it? You have? Okay. And it works good for you, right? Pretty good? Who else raised their hand? I'm not putting you on the spot. I just want to ask. So you've used the SOAP method. And that soap method is simply this. First of all, I'm going to kind of give it, I'll give you the names of them first, but they're S-O-A-P. First of all, it's scripture. Scripture. You're reading the scripture. You begin to read the scripture. Again, this is the soap method. You read scripture. The O is what we call observation. Now, observation is, is really when you begin to read scripture, the Oh, the observation part is really, as you've read a passage or a chapter, whatever you've read, what stuck out to you? What did you observe in it? And when you begin to do that, that's a difference between reading and studying it. I read the scripture, and now what was my observation of it? What really stuck out? Now, there's a lot of methods. I'm just giving you one tonight. But what's the observation part of it? The third thing is what we call application. S-O-A-P, scripture, observation, and application. Application is one of those things that when you and I begin to look at it, it says, um, it's really, application is how can we apply what we observed. I, I think I've set, said it to you all sometime over the last few weeks when I've been here is this, we all are really selfish about this. It's, it's all about us. How's this going to affect me, or how does how can I apply this to me? Um, that's exactly what we're talking about when you read scripture and you come to the part of the application is well, how's it how does this apply to me? What I just observed, how can I put this in daily application? Also, we say this when we look at it, how does it affect my life today? How does it affect my life today? Some of the scripture that I've read. Again, at the beginning I said this, is when we, when we think about application, you have to say, what does it say, what does it mean, and how am I to apply it? It takes on a whole new meaning when you begin to study God's Word when you start to do that, and your application is that, is, is, it says this, but what does it really mean? Just like we talked about that, that word for rightly. It means the application part is this. We ask ourselves, how do I apply it? So SOAP is scripture, observation, application. And then this one is, I would challenge you, the last part of SOAP is, is the P for prayer. The prayer. Here's what I would challenge you with on that is write down maybe just a simple prayer to God on what you've just learned. Uh, I'm not real good at, at journals. I, I, I'm pastor friends, teachers, and even uh, lay people that really are good about having a journal. Um, I used to call them a diary. And uh, um, 
we used to kid our, our, my former pastor about his journal. I said, is that your diary? And uh, he says, no. And he, but I, I've not been real good at that. I wish I was better at it. But if you keep a journal, write down maybe just a prayer that day that you've read and what you've studied and just say, you know, and say that's your prayer to God on what you've just learned. And that soap method will help you from a standpoint of, of the recipe for studying the Bible. Now, you've got out to your right. I'm going to give you something here, and this is my real close, I promise you. In your booklet, right out to your right, or to the right of that page, you've got some lines there. I'm going to give you six things real quickly, and I want you to write them down for me. And this is what has helped me when studying my Bible. I just gave you the soap method. I'm going to give you something else here right now that I think that helps me. And, and I come up with, there, there's six of them, and they, it, it's the letters P and A, okay? Here's what I would tell you. When you're reading and studying God's Word, always do this. Search for the following things. First of all, who's the person or the author? Who is that writing? The person or the author? If you look at that, that's gonna, it's going to mean a lot more to you as you're reading a passage of Scripture. The person or the author. The other thing is this, who is the people or the audience that he's writing to? Because it's really important if, if the author is specifically talking to the Jews or who he's talking to. So, first of all, the person that's writing it, the author, and then the people or the audience. The third thing I would tell you this is always try to do this when you search for the following, when you read, think about the period or the age, the time that it's done, the period or the age. That, um, that, that's really important. Um, I just finished a, a thing going through the, the minor prophets. I call, we called it majoring on the minors. And, um, and they're not really in chronological order. Somebody asked me about reading through the Bible. Uh, well, there's a lot of good Bible plans out there that takes the Bible in chronological order. The 66 books in the canon we have right now is not in chronological order. So you have to ask yourself, what is the period or the age? The fourth thing about this when you search for the following, when you're studying the Bible, is this. Look for the place or the area. It's important sometimes to look at when he's talking about what, what place or the area that they are in. The fifth thing is this. What's the purpose or the aim of this study or the writing of this? What's the purpose or what's the aim of it? What is it? It's, it goes back to that application part. What's the purpose or the aim of, of this study? And, and I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing throughout the Bible. Somebody says, I read through the book of Leviticus, and I cannot, and it, it is just difficult. Or you read through the book of Numbers, and you say, what is the purpose and the aim of that? So the last thing I would tell you about the, when you're studying the Bible, search for the following. All those things we just said, the last one is, what is the practice and the application? Again, talking about that application. How do I apply it to my life? That I can live better for the one that I love. Do this as we close. And I'm going to ask you all to come up here and we're going to pray in just a minute. But this, here's what I would tell you is this. Learn it, love it, and live it is a key to studying God's word. All right? Father, I, I thank you tonight for this church. 
uh, thank you so much for the uh, what they are doing uh, and, and how you are sh- they are showing your love and through their works and uh, uh, their uh, compassion on this community and this world. And Father, I know there's some that are here tonight that have family members or somebody they love that is hurting. And they need deliverance, Lord. They need an answer to this prayer. It may be a home that is torn all to pieces. The marriage is, is in shambles. Maybe looking at divorce. And Father, we pray for reconciliation in that, in that family, in that home. And Father, there's those with disease that are, are hurting right now, maybe got a bad report, cancer, whatever it may be. And Father, right now we ask you to meet the need that is there. We pray for healing for them. And Father, I pray for those that are uh, going through financial hardships and, and maybe don't look it and don't share it with other people how they're hurting. And I pray right now you'd meet that need for them, Father, that they would look to you. And Father, I pray for each one that's in this room, every home that's represented, that we ourselves would look to you, begin to look to your word, be serious about your word, knowing how much you love us and that you're there to meet our needs. And Father, I pray that you'd help us and use us to be a light in this world of darkness. Father, those that have family members or loved ones that they're praying for that are lost, that need to be saved, I pray right now, Father God, that you would use them as a witness, that they'd be that light that would shine forth to be able to witness to those that are in need of salvation. Father, I pray right now for this pastor. I want you to bless and anoint him. And Father, as he leads and shepherds this church and this church family, that everything that is done, you would receive the honor and glory through it use him and I pray for the staff and I pray for this church as a whole God continue to use them mightily like you are doing right now Lord that you would be uh, honored and you'd receive the praise for everything that's done and Father help us Lord to be serious about studying your word we love you and we thank you in Jesus name Amen Amen. thank you all so much for being here we hope that God spoke to you through this message If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.